What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of It Is What It Is, 8-Bit.net's news and current affairs podcast. Each and every week, we are bringing you all our takes on all the news you need to know about. No subject is off limits, and no take is too hot. I am your host, Jack Cruz, and joining me this week, the yin to my yang, host of Putting In Work, it's your boy, John Opeck. What's going on, Jack? It's good to be here. It is good to be here. Thank you for being here, John. How are you? Good, man. It's a, it's been a busy weekend, and they always are. Just aren't they? it's all ramping up to this, though. So yeah, it's been pumped to be back for my third episode. But it's also it kind of my first real episode because you know we started off, we did the the mm. inaugural like year in review episode kind of yep. to kick it yep. off, and then the next one was with DJ, and mm. since then you've developed this like rapid fire kind of format. Yeah. So it's kind of been evolving over the weeks, and it's good to see. Um, how, how that's come about so I'm, I'm glad to be back again thank you Jono. no i'm glad to have you here um yeah no I, I didn't think about that that yeah the two episodes that we've recorded together we actually did in person mm. which is um which is odd because we normally do them remotely as we are now but uh it's good to it's good to have you here mm. um now <clears throat> i'm sure i mean most people know who you are Jono. you're you're quite <laughs> the social media butterfly you're uh you're a, a revered and renowned, renowned is that the word? Sure, Keep, just not? go with it. You're, you're you're a dude that people know people know about. People if people know about someone, it's you. Um, but I've never I never really properly introduced you on the show. So, like you know, how rude. slightly. How no? I only sort of <laughs> cottoned onto that that I needed to be doing that a yeah. few, like a few episodes in. So uh, as this as the eight bit collective and the eight bit nation is a mm. new audience for for all of us. Did you do, you don't have to. Because people should know who you are, but if they don't, did you want to give them a little bit of who is your daddy and what does he do? I would be pretty arrogant if I was just like, nah, they know me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that you have you have listeners that whether they've come in halfway through or they've not listened to any other content, they don't know who I am. So yes, I am Jono. I am the host of Putting In Work, author of The Spy and the Maven, and I'm friend of Jack Cruz, I guess is how I ended up here, but... Mm. Um, in that order yeah <laughs> no so i'm a former journalist now working in uh media and communications for a health organization and yeah so i, I guess journalism is the trade and putting in work is an interview podcast also on the 8-bit collective where i talk to pretty much just interesting people mostly creative people who are doing really cool stuff about mm. the hard work that goes into those projects so inspiring going really well inspiring i have to be careful about listening to putting in work um because every time i do i'm like i'm quitting my job that's it and i start writing up my uh my resignation letter and then i'm like and then i like i simmer down and i'm like no i can't i can't do that but you get inspired to do something else do you yeah always listen to it It is it's very like it is very inspirational you hear these awesome stories about people who have gone off and and made you know they made their dream their you know their lives and their um their careers so it's uh it's always cool to listen to that mm. the creative people out there who are doing the things that they want to do yeah please cool. consult uh sally before you quit your job jack that's all i'll say i don't want to i don't want to be held responsible for my <laughs> podcast inspiring that uh yeah i should yeah that's probably a good idea i think i'm not sure she'd appreciate it if i came like, baby i quit my job what do you do? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe some more podcasts. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure that's exactly what she wants. More podcasts. Yeah. Uh, never mind. Never mind. Um, now, Jono, as is the case every week, it has been 
a massive week in news. A massive. There's so much going on. Yeah. There it was, was like stories. A, few, a few days in, you're like, there hasn't been much happening this week. Oh and I was like, God. what about this, 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 this? I just started. And as soon as I started thinking about it, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I remember that story. That was a really interesting story. Uh, and it just sort of spiraled from there. And so now we have the most stacked week ever hmm. for rapid fire. Um, any, any, any of these stories, almost all of them could have been their own main topic so yeah um which is good so well let's uh let's power through some headlines here Jono. Sure first thing. cab off the rank donald trump's lawyer michael cohen has his office raided by the fbi you want my take oh that's generally how this works yeah. so you listen to the show all right yeah i know but i didn't know <laughs> if you give your opinion then you kick well, it over to me so, yeah I so think okay. Yeah. I think it's well. I mean, I can go first if you want. I don't mind. I've it's, got something to say uh, about all these it's, things. It's interesting seeing the rhetoric from the Trump supporters saying that it's a clear attack on Donald Trump, and mm. uh, then the other side reminding them all that he appointed this um, investigator to to do mm. his job, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it is very interesting. Um, this whole, uh, I'm wait much like the um, the Stormy Daniels story. I'm sort of waiting for it to really unfold before I make it its own topic. But because there's so there is a lot to unpack with this whole the FBI versus Donald Trump sort of saga that's been going on with the the Russian you know interference into the election and and you know whether there's been collusion and the lawyers covering stuff up and you know so basically I guess what the FBI have gone in to try and find is um, where. Donald Trump has spent money to like illegally spent money for his campaign against like, you know, keeping people quiet and trying to bury stories and, and this kind of thing. So, um, more and more stuff comes out almost daily with, um, you know, sordid sort of, you know, things that have been happening behind the scenes. And, um, the, I don't know where it ends because it's, it's, it's very hard to prove, especially with the Russian thing, collusion. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see if if and when this reaches its sort of um, climax, for lack of no pun intended. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's, is it this thing where he's now fired that lawyer since the raid? Is that what they say? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, 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 I had not heard that. Um, but it's just, uh, it's just. Can you? I can't like. This guy's like Trump. He's always like complaining. He's like, oh, this person, this, and this person, that. Everyone's an attack on me. This is a, you know, a breach in the constitution. And he's always complaining about people coming after him and the fake news and that. But can you remember, like, I can't remember a pol, like a, in the Western world, a politician who has just been so, I don't even know, like the term, but just like. So much scrutiny, so much criticism. Yeah, but because there's always something. It's like there's something every day. It's like he's yeah. done this, he's done that, he said this, he said that. This thing's coming out, this thing's coming out. It's like any other like any other human being in the world would be like chastised and just removed from society and he's just <laughs> right there kicking along. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Like uh, some of it is obviously he's like that personality that's so easy to criticize because he's so out there mm. even compared to previous presidents. But we're also in the age of the highest level of scrutiny in terms of being able to express that with social media and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. So you think about like George Bush, like everyone <laughs> joked about George Bush, George W. Bush being an idiot, right? Mm. Um, 
that he would, you know, stumble over his words and he'd <laughs> make words up. And it was, it wasn't until Saturday Night Live sketches that the joke would kind of spread. Oh, as, as far as so being good. over here in Australia goes. Yeah. But with Trump, it's just the memes galore constantly all day, every day, because it's been 15 years of building social mm. networks. So, mm. yeah, I think it's, it's hard to tell what is extra scrutiny and what's just a product of the time we live in and that extends as well to like athletes and like it's a it's a fun conversation to talk about like what would twitter like what would michael jordan be like these days if he had twitter back then like he would have just yeah it's it's interesting no absolutely um just on the bush thing that just sort of reminded me of um my favorite bush quote was the one where he's like you know fool fool me once shame on me fool me twice you can't you can't fool me again yeah. <laughs> brilliant so many great like there's a really great compilation video out there it's just like 10 minutes of him just not being able to speak but cocaine will do that to a man um our next story in a stark contrast to america's gun laws britain has cracked down on violent crime by banning knives um i found this to be quite interesting in that uh, obviously so there's been a rise in um violent crime in the uk um, specifically around knife attacks and stabbings and this kind of thing. And so the UK just like knives are banned. I think it's like if you have anything on you that's longer than three inches, I think they said, um, you can be arrested, which is still a decent... Yeah. You can kill someone with a three-inch blade. Um, but obviously you can't you know, carry like a big butcher's knife or a hatchet or anything like that. Um, yeah, I just find this very interesting that the US are just so staunch in there. Uh, you know <laughs> the protection of their guns in the UK is just yeah. like you don't have guns it's like oh now people are abusing the knives like oh you're losing your knives as well um, I just I found it really interesting yeah it is an interesting just like what's the word I was going to say disparity between Ju- the two but there's juxtaposition, juxtaposition yeah, yeah of of how uh, problems are handled between mm. the two countries it's it's um it's interesting like what happens if a chef wants to buy a new knife like or if you want to buy a new kitchen knife without even being a mm. chef do you have to get a license to take it home or does it come like mm. bubble wrapped or something yeah it's interesting isn't it i'm not sure of the um the semantics of it but i mean imagine it's similar to like if you think about like alcohol bans so like there's a lot of places where alcohol's banned on the street you can't have alcohol so it's like mm. if you're if you walk out of like a chef store with your butchers and your new you know chef's knives that you've bought probably like the police can approach you and they're like, you're like, I've got my receipt. I just bought them. They're in the yeah. bag. Same with like alcohol. It's like you walk out of the bottle. Like you have to, like you can't teleport from the bottle to your home. So you do at some point have to be on the street with the alcohol and you'd be like, look, right. it's sealed. I have the receipt. I just bought it. I'm going home. So I'm sure there's obviously going to be exceptions to the rule, but yeah, it's mainly like concealed. If you're like carrying a concealed knife and stuff like that, I imagine it's, it's for. That's fair. I got no problems with that. No, me neither. Like, me who neither. Ne- who really needs a knife if that's not a farmer or something? Like, yeah, if you're not a farmer or, or a fisherman or yeah. something like that. Or like. working in, like, a warehouse and, yeah, you, need you know, to box cut up cutting boxes. open. <laughs> yeah, it's like, use a box yeah. cutter. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no need for a knife. There's also no, no need for an AR-15, so... Sorry, uh, <laughs> Mick Dundee. <laughs> yep. Uh, next story. Eight athletes from Cameroon have disappeared from the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast. Um mm. This, this happens a... every Olympic Games, pretty much. Yep. I don't know if yep. it happens with the Commonwealth Games so much because generally people in the Commonwealth, mm. I guess, um, you know, there's less third world, third world countries yeah. than at the Olympics. But yeah, yeah. interesting. Mm. It was fu- yeah. So um, so eight eight athletes. I think there was 
four boxes and four weightlifters or some some something like that um, disappeared from just disappeared from the Commonwealth Games. They were just there. They were ready to compete, and they just went whoop, catch you later. Um, and there's really nothing that. I mean, obviously they they they've come to Australia. They've spent some time here. And they're like, fuck this. We don't want to go home. Let's let's bounce. And they've <laughs> bounced. And the thing is that they've got visas. They're here yeah. legally. They there's nothing that, that authorities can do. They're like they're not required by law to be in the Commonwealth Games. Obviously, they're there to compete, but yeah. there's not there's no like, you know, this isn't communist Russia where it's like you know we're shooting deserters and kind of things. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're, they're, they're they will have on- to be like kicked out after like a month or something. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Like once their visas hope- expire, yeah. yeah, they'll have to. So I wonder what the plan is. Do they just hide? <laughs> do they become fugitives, or do they try and like? assimilate or something i don't know it's, it's quite funny there was a town that so they 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 arrived in australia a few um a few weeks ago and they were training in this town up in in northern queensland uh southern queensland and um it's like a rural country town but they've welcomed the athletes in and they've provided them with training facilities and this kind of thing for to prepare and um you know the suspicion is that they've returned to this town because they enjoyed it so much they really liked the you know the, the freedom of it and the just the the um the culture and this that and the other um and uh the one that they were talking to like the mayor and they're like you know the on the news they're like she's like yeah look you know they may have there's reports they may have come back here and it's like what what are you guys going to do you know if, if the um if the athletes turn up here and you know they they are coming here and they're seeking refuge here the the mayor's like we'll probably get him a cup of tea or something <laughs> it's, it's just yeah brilliant. i mean at the, at the end of it you just see that the reason they're doing that is because there's something back home that they don't want to go back to like probably oh absolutely really sinister and depressing to think about like something that we wouldn't put up with over here certainly no. so no, I don't, i'm not an expert on cameroon i don't know what their situation is i know that they're great at sports i know that they have a great soccer team mm. uh but beyond that i yep. yeah imagine that they probably had a, I'm, I'm thinking they probably were planning this before they got here it wasn't just a snap decision yeah i mean it's hard to say isn't it but it is it's sort of like like you get it like as soon as you're like yeah they're coming from like you know this third world it's sort of african country that you know, obviously, we're we're quite privileged in that we do, we've never had to deal with living in you know places like that, and it's even hard to sort of say like what are the conditions like in Cameroon? Like we have no idea, right? Um, but it's sort of like you know, it is it's a, it is you know as much as we joke about it, it's a funny thing. It is sort of sad in a way that they they feel the need that they need to bounce from you know the Commonwealth Games mm-hmm. to to seek refuge because they don't want to go home. So you know, there's a sad sort of tinge to that story. Yeah. Uh, next headline, Russell Crowe holds Art of Divorce auction. This is a funny... You're going to have to give me the background on this story. one, Jack. It's one that I didn't get a chance to research. So, basically, he's, you know, seems as Russell's having a somewhat of a midlife crisis. And uh, it's been five years, I think it was five years to the date of his divorce from his partner, from his wife. And um, he... Or, no five years since he's separated and I think his divorce has been finalized and he's just like sold he's just like I'm selling all my shit um which like is quite funny sale? <laughs> yeah basically like put to, like but just like it's just you know it's just a weird sort of thing like it wasn't like he was selling the headlines a little bit deceiving because I first saw it and I'm like oh this is kind of funny like he's he's 
auctioning off all his ex-wife's fucking crap or something like that. Like, that's what I thought it was. You know, mementos from his marriage and things. Mm. But it's really just selling off all the junk that he's collected over the years. So, um, sporting memorabilia and and props from movies and stuff like that. So, um, just a a funny sort of way to stick it up his wife by... by, Ex-wife by... um, you know, calling it the art of divorce. And it's sort of him freeing himself from all his, uh, you know, material objects. And, right. and he made like three and a half million dollars from all the stuff that he sold. So, um, not such a bad thing for him. Yeah. yeah. But I, I imagine she's going to get half of it anyway. Like what's the, the logic well, I mean, there? I think it's already been finalized. <laughs> so, she's already gotten her cut, I believe. And like, that's the whole thing. Like his divorce is now finalized and he's like, now I can just move on with my life and... Yeah. Sell some shit. Which was the rugby team he owned? Uh, he owned the uh, the Rabbitohs. Yeah. So I'm the guessing West he was uh, selling a lot of Rabbitohs merch and I noticed there was gear. A, there was, he had a few baggy greens. There was a lot of cricket. Yeah, there was some Rabbitohs stuff there. I don't know. He might have kept... I, I imagine he would have kept some of that stuff. But um, yeah, definitely going... Becoming a minimalist like our dear friend Tom. What, um, <laughs> what one prop from a Russell Crowe movie would you most want to get a hold of? Hmm. I never, I've never seen the entirety of Gladiator. So there was like a chariot from Gladiator and like a cutlass and some other things. So okay. I'm like, like yeah, man. I'm like, I'm trying it's to think. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm no doubt. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen it. Um, and I'm trying to think to myself. I mean, I've seen like the first half, but I never watched the whole thing. Um, I'm trying to think to myself, what Russell Crowe movie do I really like? And I struggle to think. Of, I'm like, <laughs> kind of like that Body of Lies one he was in back in the day with Leonardo DiCaprio, but. I think he was just overweight and wore like a Hawaiian shirt. Um, <laughs> Romper Stomper, maybe like he sold the, his. He was wearing Doc Martens in that movie, and he, he auctioned them off for like ten grand or something like that. Um, I don't know. What What about you? What would you? Probably like a, yeah, a sword from Gladiator would be pretty cool. Yeah, that yeah. was a cool character. Yeah, but yeah, it's he's not like a he. He is an amazing actor and has done a lot of great films, but there, there's not like you know. He hasn't got that defining role, has yeah, he? Yeah, I, I think like I mean, Gladiator is the, is the defining yeah. role. A Beautiful Minds, you know, up up there. He oh, got yeah. Oscar nominated for that, I think. But yeah, it's uh, it's not like yeah, like Leonardo DiCaprio or someone where it's like, oh man, how do I pick one? There's so many. You know? He's certainly not Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> L.A. Confidential, though. Is oh yes, sorry. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, next story, and this one's like just really sad um stan lee is suing a former business manager for fraud and elder abuse in a suit yeah it is very weird in a suit (laughs) that alleges um such claims of abuse as extracting and selling vials of lee's blood as collectibles um this is just yeah this is really sad um so basically what's happened is um since stan lee's wife passed away last year uh his business manager has basically been uh, taking advantage of him like stealing money siphoning money out selling it off and doing all kinds of horrible stuff um allegedly right yeah allegedly yeah so um like millions of dollars he's stolen from him like having his having stan lee's blood extracted and selling it to like as like a collectible like they're stamping comic books with it and selling it off and um just really really want that like we love crazy we're, Crazy nerds. We both, I think, would appreciate, you know, the coolness of having something signed by Stan Lee or meeting mm. him or, you know, just what he is as a pop culture icon. But to have, like, his blood, like, 
don't know. It's just so weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's sad that, you know... I can't think of I mean, anyone it's... whose blood I would want. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I can't think that there's anyone whose blood I would want. Unless it's to, like, clone them, maybe. But even then, it's still a little bit weird. Yeah, we don't um, need to clone Stanley. No, we don't need to clone Stanley. He's still with us. Um, yeah, it's just it's just really sad. Like, it's terrible that, you know, this man has been taken advantage of so poorly. I think even his daughter was someone that people were talking about was taking advantage of him, trying to get money out of him since his, um, since his wife's passed away. And, hmm. um, yeah, it's just really sad. And especially sort of from our community, obviously, Stan Lee is a hero to, um, you know, almost nice. everyone in, in the nerd space, um, you know, and... and He's given, you know, so much to um, to us in, as far as pop culture and the world and that kind mm. of thing. And so for such a revered character to be, you know, taken advantage of like that, it just kind of makes you angry. Yeah, kind of reminds just... me of like, kind of reminds me of like, when you, have you seen John Wick? No, I haven't seen it yet. It's on my okay. Netflix queue. Okay, I won't spoil it for you then. <laughs> well, what about everyone listening? Can't uh, spoil yeah. it for them either. Well, I, could, I was going to give a spoiler warning, but anyway, let's... Uh, <laughs> Let's move on to the Give the spoiler story. warning and I'll take off my headphones for like 20 yeah. seconds. <laughs> no. But yeah, it's it's sad that the people are treating him just like a ATM or a dollar signs when he is mm. still alive. He's still, you know, contributing to society as far as we know. Uh, yeah, it's just sad that he hasn't got anyone to look out for him in a lot of ways. You'd think someone like that would be surrounded yeah. with people that have his interests at heart, but doesn't appear that way. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Next story. TJ Miller arrested for fake bomb threat on train. Um, TJ Miller, obviously from uh, Deadpool and Silicon Valley fame. Um, also in... Uh, Ready Player One. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Um, he's in Cloverfield though. Um, oh, yeah which I watched for the first time the other night. Uh, this is... Uh, it's, it's sort of a little bit sad seeing the, um, the, the, the spiral into, the, I guess, downfall, or whatever you want to call it, of TJ Miller. Um, such a shame, because a very entertaining man. But um, obviously, there's been a lot of uh, accusations thrown his way over the years as far as sexual harassment and abuse and et cetera and so on, which he's vehemently denied. Mm-hmm. Um, this story comes out and basically... Um, the crux of it is he called in a bomb threat. Um, well, not a bomb threat, sorry. Uh, to he, a he called. Train. He, yeah. Say again? To a train, right? Well, no, no. He, call, he called in like a bomb. Like he reported someone he thought had a bomb. Yeah. Um, basically said this woman's acting really suspiciously. She's opening a bag, looking in and out of it, blah, 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 whatever. Um, you know, he's just concerned, this, that, and the other. Um, anyway, turns out that there was no such bomb. There was no such thing. Basically, he had a disagreement with a woman on a train, and 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 then he's like called in a bomb scare and be like, "This chick's got a bomb on her." He's basically like swatted her. Like, the, yeah. The story that I read said that he reported it for a train that he wasn't even on. So, oh, what I thought. It, oh, okay, yeah. So I don't know if that's if if I've got the wrong story or if you've got the earlier story, but yeah. Just weird all around. And he was also like intoxicated at the time that they um, caught up with him to to talk about it. So Mm. yeah, definitely going through something. I don't know what it is, but it's uh, it's not looking good for him. It's it's actually getting to the point of uh, grave concerns for his Mm. uh, future in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. He's getting very close to the um, probably never be heard from. The Shia LaBeouf zone. 
<laughs> See, like, I think Shire is... is probably coming out of it, but he is. He definitely went into a zone where it was like, let's give him a few years. And see if he comes out of this, the other side. I feel like Shire went into that right after Indiana Jones. He was still in that sort of Transformers. He was sort of still this young, hot-ish property when he did Indiana Jones. And then he came out of that and that's when he sort of went, what was the thing that, it, what was the thing that Shire did? He went on like some rant and people were like, you're crazy. He went on Shire. an anti-Semitic rant, didn't he? Was it anti-Semitic? No, he was. No. Sorry, I, I have to. Yeah, I apologize. He was. No, he was. Uh, he was ranting against someone he thought was anti-Semitic because I think he's Jewish himself. Yeah. No. That that came that came well later. That was okay. the, uh, the Nazi thing. That was like he was banging on. He was hating on Nazis, which is fair enough. Everyone should do that. <laughs> um, there was. He was like an. Okay, it, it escapes me now. But he had his initial sort of Charlie Sheen moment where he, mm. he blew up and and he had his sort of crazy crazy time and he. And but he was still getting gigs. Like he was in that Nymphomaniac movie. He was in um, Fury choice, with Brad Pitt, yeah. and he was brilliant in that. I thought he was great in that movie. Um, he's been in. He, he kept getting roles because he's such a good actor, and he was people just like, yeah, he's just fucking hard to work with. Like, yeah. but he's just still getting gigs. Whereas, like, I could, I think you could say a similar thing about like Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise went into his hole. Like his, you know. No one wants to talk to you. No one wants to give you a gig hole. He's come out of it. He's that never. Was, he's never. Was, yeah, he never. His career never died though. He he got into a zone of like, he's kind of weird, but he never like bashed anyone up or like did anything. No, 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 no. I'm like, talking malicious. like I'm just. No, no, I'm not saying he ever did anything like that. I'm just saying like this is the 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 ostracized zone. Let's call it the ozone. <laughs> We're dubbing that. Yeah, as I don't the think ozone. Tom Cruise was ever there. I think he's always don't been bankable. Like yeah, like even like you think back like War of the Worlds, and then he did like. He's been. He's he's always worked with like really like he's never stopped doing Mission Impossible movies and they're always yeah, huge. I, I feel like there was a period though where he did nothing where like he just wasn't getting any gigs. Then he came back and he did like Jack Reacher and then he did that Edge of Tomorrow movie and in between like we said like War of the Worlds and like that I just I don't feel like I saw Tom Cruise getting a lot of a lot of work. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just that's a perception mm. I have. Yeah, but yeah, T.J. Miller is similar to shire in that he is i think i think he's an immense comic talent like he has mm. such great comic timing oh he does um, His in in ready player one he's an animated character basically because of the whole world of avatars and that kind of thing mm. and i could just pick his voice as soon as he came on yeah. the screen because he has that in uh, that really distinguishable mm. way of of being funny and mm. yeah as i was watching it i was like I wonder if this is the last... Well, it won't be because of Deadpool, but I was thinking, I wonder if this is the last time we'll see him in a huge movie. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, also great in Cloverfield. Like, I watched Cloverfield for the first time and I'm like, straight away, because he's behind the camera. He's the one controlling the camera for most of the right. movie. And straight away, I'm like... a comedic role? Yeah, well, he, he's, he's, he's playing TJ Miller. Right. So, <laughs> he's the friend. It's like a group of friends in, in like, obviously, New York is the the Cloverfield stuff's happening and um, and it's just TJ Miller behind the camera and he's like you know like oh I fucking told him not to go that way oh I fucking ch-. like shit chasing him and stuff and he did like really it does really well like he's a standout of that movie the rest of them are terrible but he's quite good <laughs> um, next story next story Optus under fire for job advertisement requesting Anglo-Saxon applicants yes. I'd love to meet the bloke who or, or woman shouldn't assume it was a man that wrote this advertisement it's um this story is would be hilarious if it wasn't so like ridiculous (laughs) i couldn't believe it when i saw this it's 
is this beggar's belief. Like I work in communications and I know how many people these things go through to get approved. So I don't know how a company like Optus could let this through the cracks. It doesn't make very any strange. sense. Very, very strange. Um, I know. I, I'm the same. I saw it. I'm like, no way. And it's I'm like, this must be a joke. But nope, it was not a joke. They, they basically advertised for a sales position at their neutral base store in Sydney, I believe. And they asked for Anglo... They said Anglo-Saxon preferred. applicants preferred. Yeah. Um, just just bad 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 obviously there's been an internal investigation launched rightfully yeah. so someone's getting fired um yeah how you think that you would that you could do that and it'd be okay is just beyond me i don't know it's just an unnecessary as well like all you have to do to get around you know the problem of having people that you can't understand which is i guess a criticism that they've had a lot which is what i guess inspired this but it's a retail it's a retail store like it's not for oh, it's not the, call center. Phone, the call center yeah right no i was it's gonna say the, the, the workaround would be to just say good communication skills are preferred or, or required and then it becomes a judgment call from the person interviewing like can i understand what this person's saying obviously mm-hmm. communication is important you have to understand we've all probably had people on the phone who we couldn't understand because of a, a maybe they were actually a call center based overseas and we you know, it, it is really hard sometimes and it doesn't make it a, a good experience, but it doesn't matter what someone's background is if they're a good communicator, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, this is, this was just, that whoever that person is is an idiot. and They're um, definitely fired. <laughs> and they're definitely fired, yeah. It, it could be several people fired because I imagine it had to be, like I said, approved by mm. the person that wrote it and their superior and then whoever placed it at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, next story, Steven Spielberg has suggested that Indiana Jones could be portrayed by a woman once Harrison Ford retires from the franchise. Um, now, Jono, yes. Indiana Jones is a, a character in a franchise very near and dear to our hearts, both you and I. We yep. love Indiana Jones. Um, I can't speak for you, but I dislike the Crystal Skull. Um, I think the original three movies are fantastic. Um, obviously, I know you feel the same way about at least the original three. I'm not sure you about your feelings on the Crystal Skull. It's okay. It's okay. It's it's a it's it's dis- it's disappointing, and it's it shouldn't <laughs> have happened that way. But yeah. I will, I'm not going to say it's flat out bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's mm. not. It's not prequel level bad. It's no, just, it's yeah, not disappointing. It's disappointing. Um, now this is this is a multi and I don't. This is a like many things multifaceted. Uh, the whole there's I guess the. Well, the uh, first thing I want to address is um, Steven Spielberg's comment about the character itself. He's like, oh, I could definitely, you know, we could take a different turn. We could definitely have Indiana Jones be played by a woman. We just have to change the name to Joan. And I'm like... That's a joke. That has to be a joke. No. Well, no. Not the way that it was written. Or I haven't heard the direct quote, but the way it's been written everywhere is him being like, we just have to change the name to Joan. And I don't think... And because he says, he's like, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I'm like... Uh, Stephen, that's not how last names work. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think that had to be like a kind of chuckly old man dad. God, joke. I hope so. God, because I hope so because I'm just like eh, you can't be. That's... Yeah, Indiana Joan doesn't make any sense. Well, I know that's. I mean, I like, like, I mean, it, 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 I guess you could do that. It could be because it's a new character. It's mm-hmm. not the same person, so it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. it's not impossible, but yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure you could. <laughs> but do you come want up with something else? Uh, this is the other thing, right? 
so it's not even about about her being a woman. I don't want about you know not her being a woman, but anyone being a woman playing Indiana Jones. I don't want anyone else playing Indiana Jones. Like Indiana Jones is a is a it's it's the same you know thing about like Solo and stuff like that. It's like do we even really want someone else playing Han Solo? Like Harrison Ford mm. is Han Solo. Like I don't really want anyone else to play yeah. Indiana Jones. Like I quite like Indiana Jones to be Indiana Jones. The thing is, there's already been three other actors that have portrayed him in like canon Indiana Jones. You've got River mm-hmm. Phoenix, obviously, in the Last Crusade yeah. for the flashback, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then in the Chronicles of Young Indiana Jones TV series yeah. or no, no, mini series. You know, you had yeah. a couple other actors too. So, but they're, but they're of... all but they're all canon. This is he's talking about like a like a reboot of the franchise. Yeah. Yes. And okay. and like you know and and it and it being you know like Indiana Chris Jones Pratt or, or something. Jones. Hey, say again. Like a Chris Pratt or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want anyone to play Indiana Jones. It's a sacred character. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. Just leave it. Let it die. We don't have to remake everything. Yeah. Stay the fuck away from Back to the Future <laughs> while you're at it. I swear to God, I'll kick your ass, Steven Spielberg. I won't actually kick your ass, but I'll be very upset. <laughs> it's not his. Uh, he didn't direct that movie, did he? Uh, he was involved with it. Um, he, uh, oh yeah, he, he was. A it's um, Robert Zemeckis, and Robert, yeah. Robert, Robert Zemeckis has said that over my dead body, he's yeah. been quoted as to say they'll remake that over my dead body. <laughs> which God bless him for that. God bless him indeed. So pretty much, how much longer do you think he's got? 10, 15 years. Zemeckis. <laughs> yeah. God, I hope he lives to a thousand. <laughs> hope he. You know, what? I hope he outlives me. Yeah, that's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, next story. Uh, Israel Folau says gay people will go to hell unless they repent for their sins. Mm. This... Um, controversial. Controversial. Absolutely. I, don't, I think... Um, so, like many things, multifaceted. There's a, there's a discussion around this about it being um, a, uh, an issue of free speech. And this guy's entitled to his free speech, and and I don't, um, I don't begrudge him his you know right to free speech, but I do begrudge his opinion, or and what he says. And clearly, I I disagree heavily with what he said. I know you're obviously a Christian. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think it's I, th- I just think it was a re- it's a really, I mean, you can have your views about you know these things. But to say it in that way, quite an aggressive way, that they'll go in, in like the way you wrote it. Yeah, it was completely hell. un. It was a completely unnecessary comment, I think, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. regardless of your views about that, like that's even like as a Christian, that's not how it works. Like, yeah, the question that was posed to him was, "What's, what's God's God, plan? What's God's plan for, for gay yeah. people?" And he could have said a number of things that uh, reflect what is taught in the Christian Bible mm. that didn't end with, they'll go to hell. Yeah. And he just as easily could have said, what's God's plan for you, Jack? And he could have said, if he don't, doesn't repent, he'll go to hell. Because that is what we believe. is like, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of perfection. So if we don't repent, like that's where we end up. Like if we don't, you know follow God if we don't uh, acknowledge him that's where you end up that's that's mm-hmm. basically Christian 101 right mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but for him to automatically go straight to that and skip past the fact that he's just as much a sinner as any gay person or 
or a straight person or anyone like that is incredibly non-christian uh yeah it's just not really preaching that message of love that needs to be put out there yeah I think. definitely yeah uh, yeah does that make sense do you have any like yeah. questions no, I- about that no, not at all. No, I hundred percent understand where you're coming from. I, I found I find the comments to be obviously offensive. Um, you know, reg- yeah, reg- and it's like, like uh, it's uh, inflammatory as well. Like it's, yeah, it's, and to- it's it- going for a reaction that is strong like that, which yeah, absolutely. doesn't it doesn't it's not positive. It's not uplifting. It's not no. edifying. It doesn't yeah. help anyone. It's, I, just, I feel like it's completely tone deaf as well to where we're at as a society. You know, we just spent you know, millions of dollars on a referendum, well, not a referendum, a, um, what do you call it? Plebiscite. Plebiscite yeah. to, to, you know, to obviously legalize gay marriage. And it, like you said, it's inflammatory to come out and say something like that, completely unnecessary. Um, and like I said, I don't begrudge someone their right to free speech, but it doesn't mean I have to agree with their, with <laughs> what they say. Um, James Spruels wrote in to It Is What It Is and asked... Uh, on the Israel Folau situation, he said, when did we as a country start venerating athletes? Being athletic has never meant you can't be an idiot. That's why we have the <laughs> Collingwood Football Club. Um, it's an interesting question James poses. I think as a country, especially Australia, we've always you know, held our athletes in high regard and, 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 and valued their opinions because we are such a proud sporting nation. You know, we've always, you know, we've held... People like you know, you look at you look back at people like Don Bradman as you know one of the highest regarded people who's ever lived. You know, uh, as yeah. far as our country is concerned, and and you know, other athletes who we look to, people like Kathy Freeman and this and the other. Like we take our athletes seriously because of how we are as a nation. And for him, that you know, who he's also in a position where he has somewhat of a responsibility to be to say to not say shit like that, like. You know he has he's a he's a role model for many for many young people, um, and to come out and say things like and like you said, be Christian, be Catholic, um, have your beliefs, but to to say like oh they're going to hell, like very you know unnecessary and aggr- like a very aggressive. It, yeah, it's not um, it's not what Jesus would do. <laughs> Let's put it no, that way. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think in terms of the James's question, like we we give our athletes a huge platform and mm. when you're given a huge platform it's like the old like with great power comes great responsibility mm. um he is a role model whether he likes it or not and because of that he needs to think carefully about what he says and i would say that about anyone whether they're a politician or a youtuber or a athlete really mm-hmm. so i agree just think just use your head yeah, think before you speak or don't speak. Yeah. Don't, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg faced two days of grilling in front of Congress in the US over the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Talk about a deer in headlights. I'll tell you what. I thought he was going to shit his pants for a second. Then when he... <laughs> it was when such he a strange up. presentation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, some are saying, you know, quite pointless as well because like what do we even really get out of that like nothing really comes of it it's just it's just a fact mm. find it was really just a fact finding mission and a lot of people are saying it's just an opportunity for a, a lot of these politicians to get in front of the cameras and and showboat um yeah some interesting questions I mean, I, thrown at him though it's this is one that we definitely could have done like a, a good five ten minutes on um mm. but i think and you listen to the same podcast from the ringer this morning so you might have mm. heard this point but it, it, a good thing from this is that it has raised 
so much awareness about the dodgy activities of Facebook mm. and the data mm. collection. Mm-hmm. Like nothing has nothing has really been revealed, but it's just getting that conversation out there uh, about what Facebook is doing. And like I know myself, I went and downloaded all of the data that Facebook has on me because they give you the option to do that. You can see the information they've been collecting over the years. Oh, wow. And it's like, oh, you've got every message that I've ever sent in Facebook Messenger. You've got every video, every photo, and every GIF. And I went through them and it's like, oh, wow. (laughs) This is like (laughs) the history of my social life for the last like, you know, there's like, it's like the history of the Explosion Network through through, uh, (laughs) the group chat, rest in peace. Like it's, (laughs) there's like so much in there and you can just kind of dig through and go, Facebook has all of this information. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Probably nothing, but it's all there. It's it's Mm. a weird thing. And I think even further than that, can you have that delete? Can you remove that, or is that I don't just- think so. It's just like here's the information we have on you. If you want to see it, here it is. So and you only you have access to that, right? Well, and Facebook <laughs> <laughs> and Cambridge Analytica and whoever they decide to sell it to. Yeah, exactly. So and like the the most alarming. <laughs> Sorry. So that's concerning. <laughs> yeah, the most alarming thing is that they uh, keep information on people who aren't even on Facebook. Like oh, good. they were calling them like shadow accounts or something. I saw one of the congressmen, like a lot of them had no idea what they were really doing up there. Like you said, they were grandstanding yeah. Yeah, or yeah. showing their ignorance of technology, which was kind of alarming. But there's, there's, one- quite, there's quite a funny video going around <laughs> of um, them asking him questions and Zuckerberg, and Zuckerberg's not an idiot. Like he's quite an intelligent human being mm. and him being like, I'm not sure you know what you're asking. Yeah. Do you, do you, I, I don't understand. So like some of them, he's like, like he gives his answer and then they're asking again. It's like, no, I don't, I don't think you know what you're asking me. And then at one yeah. point at the end, he's just like, I don't understand the question. <laughs> Cause they're yeah, just but, saying words. They're just saying like yeah. words. Yeah. But there was one person questioning him quite, uh, quite well. And mm. he brought up these shadow accounts where, you know, say, say my mum wasn't on Facebook. She is, but if she wasn't through all of my interactions with Shout people, that I'm yeah sh- <laughs> through all my interactions with my other family members they can collect information about her and they have a file that could mm. have thousands of reference points in it mm-hmm. um and for her for my mom if she were, wanted to see what information they had on her she has to sign up to Facebook to access it mm. so you know it, it is like just overkill and it's crazy to think that uh if if you're like me you signed up to this thing uh, 12 years ago just as a way to share photos with your friends you know at uni or whatever and you whatever agreement you clicked on at the time you had no idea that it was going to become this mass data collection uh, platform that it has become mm-hmm. no most definitely yeah scary stuff scary stuff but uh, i think all in all he handled himself well um the, the biggest thing that came out was the um well, the, the, that I took away from it was the... Because nothing new really came out of it. He apologized. He said he's done the wrong thing. Blah, 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 blah. Everything we've heard before. But um, there was the revelation that perhaps Facebook could be... They could charge for Facebook in the future. That there could potentially one day be a paid version of Facebook. He said that he did go on to say that there will always be a free version of Facebook. But he did assert that there could potentially be a paid version of Facebook to remove ads. So, like, all the advertising... Mm. Um, yeah, like YouTube Red, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, which I found interesting. I'm not sure that would be big 
because I'm not sure with all the social media platforms out there, I'm not sure how that works for Facebook. I'm not sure how they make that work. I'm not sure who pays for that. Yeah, the minute that they charge for Facebook, I'm out. Like, Yeah, I think it dies. <laughs> I really do think it dies yeah. because I think what happens is they go, okay, we're charging for Facebook and they go, and everyone goes, well, I mean, the ads on Facebook aren't that like obnoxious. Do you know what I mean? No. Like you, you just scroll past them, you, whatever, they pop up on a video every now and then, but who honestly uses Facebook? I, I don't watch a lot of videos on Facebook, so I can't say. I've noticed it more and more than creeping into videos, like halfway through it cuts to an ad, like whatever, I hate fine. It. It's so annoying. It's a pain in the ass, but it's... It is what it is, you know what I mean? Like it, um, it's just yeah. sort of like, yeah. I mean, you get ads everywhere on the internet these days, but they're not that in your face, right? Hmm. But what happens when they go, okay, paid option, no ads? And they go, okay, well, I'm just going to stick with the free option because they're not that bad to start with. And then they go, but we're going to fucking ramp up the ads. Like you aren't going to be able to view your friend's posts without watching. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, the, that's, the, yeah. that's the reality I can see. It's like, well, no one's paying for it. Let's give them a reason to pay for it. And mm. then everyone goes... We're out. We're going to Bebo. We're going to my friend space. <laughs> Vero, yeah. We're going to we're going to fucking my my yearbook and Twitter and and everything like that. So, um, I, I yeah, I found that really interesting, but I don't see mm. that being reality at all. I would pay for Twitter, I think, but everything would else, really? I would just bounce out. Yeah, don't I, need, I can't. Don't need yeah. many reasons to get off Facebook. No, definitely not. Uh, Jono. Yeah. That was a forty-seven minute rapid fire. <laughs> Should we kick on to our main topics? Yeah, I mean, they're probably going to be just as in-depth as those ones, really, but let's keep going. <laughs> let's do it. This story is developing as of recording this episode. Uh, but Saturday morning, Australian time, Donald Trump ordered missile strikes on the Syrian capital in response to the chemical weapons attack that killed at least 60 people and injured dozens more just outside of Damascus last week. The UK and French-backed strikes came on the back of Russia declaring that the UK had in fact faked the news about the chemical weapons strikes in order to spearhead a Russia-phobic campaign. I think it's fair to say we are in the grips of another Cold War. Russia warned the US against retaliation against Syria. Initially, Trump tweeted and erred, but then acted. Russian officials have said they take the US-led attacks on Syria as an act of aggression and won't remain without consequence. The world is in the balance as a confrontation between the US, UK, France, and by proxy Australia, and the Russians and their allies is certainly on the cards. Jono, this is um this is a oof, this is it's a, a hornet's one. nest. This is a hornet's nest. There's a lot to unpack on this one. Um I'm uh, I'm conscious of time. Um <laughs> so I uh, but there's a few there is a few points. Obviously there's not a I'm very much torn on this issue. Very much torn. I think you have to be torn because yeah. it's a situation where there's not a clear good guy and clear bad guy. There's no. so much in there. There's so much complexity. Yeah, It's far more complex than uh, the Cold War, as you mentioned. Mm. But I think that, yeah, it's... it's Actually, yeah, you go ahead. What, what What is it exactly that's tearing you apart, Lisa? <laughs> Oh, hi, Mark. Um, well, I... And this, and this isn't about Trump, right? This isn't a Trump thing. But I agree. I've, it's, I've very, it's not a Trump story. It's an America no, story. It is, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a world story, right? It's not even so much an American story. It's every, It's a West story. It's a Middle East story. It's, it's everything. Hmm. Um, 
I, I very, 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 very rarely agree with Donald Trump, but I found it hard to disagree with his statements on the weekend after the after they launched their then missile strikes about you know this man Assad isn't you know this is these what did he say these are not acts of a man these are crimes of a monster um, and it's hard to disagree with that with a statement like that you know that this guy has you know this dictatorship in in this country Syria this war this war torn country Syria where there's so many conflicts so many nations you know fighting each other you've got um, Israel fighting Iran you've got Iran fighting Saudi Arabia you've got you know Syria fighting these rebels it's, it's um, you know it's it's just a it's just a terrible terrible situation as a whole. But you've also got, so you've got, you know, Assad, who's this horrible dictator. And we've had so many, there's been so many horrible dictators in the Middle East, mm. you know, over the last you know, few decades. You think about from Saddam Hussein um, to Gaddafi to, to all these guys. And now you've got this Assad guy who, um, you know, America has said that this isn't about toppling a regime. This is about, um, you know, uh, deterring them from using chemical weapons again. And so, from that point of view, I'm like, like I, I hate war. Right? I think obviously everyone should. It's a terrible thing, and I, I hate when we are involved in conflicts that we perhaps shouldn't be. And then you see something like these chemical weapons attacks, and you go, "This is a fucking just terrible, terrible thing that's happened to these people. They've been at this horrible, destructive, you know." It's not. It's different to a you know a missile bomb and shrapnel. You know this is people choking to death in the streets. You know with sarin gas and this kind of thing. And it's not the first time this guy's done this to his people either. Um, and then so, so it's horrible. And you go, okay, I, I can, I can, I can get, I can, I can sympathise with the US attacking. You know, and, and these were. Let's be clear. These were attacks on um, military installations, research facilities, weapons stockades. These weren't attacks on government buildings, as far as like you know, um, headquarters and barracks and things. These were attacks on weapons stockpiles and research centers and chemical weapons facilities. But then I look at it and I go, "What is the difference between this guy dropping gas on people?" and dropping bombs on people and shooting people and torturing people and hanging people. Yeah. Like what like where's the line? Like why do we draw the line at chemical weapons? Is it because chemical weapons could potentially hurt us in the west? Is that why we draw that line? Or is it because it's so inhumane? But like what's how is it any less inhumane than blowing up a building with filled with, you know, women and children? Yeah. Or uh the even this the bomb strike from Trump itself is you know gonna cause collateral damage and kill innocent civilians they have nothing to do with you know Mm. what's what's going on there so Mm. when the retaliation is harmful as well it's kind of you know it's hard to to really look at that as the most practical solution to this problem yeah Uh, especially when i know like taking in Syrian refugees is a point of contention in many parts of the Western world. And I think mm. America is even uh, more reluctant to take them in than, than other countries. So it's like, well, why don't you give a 
big bag of money to the people to the countries that are helping this the Syrian refugees. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a way that you can help the situation and not blow them up. I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough one because to me it's like a dropping dropping some bombs for them. It's like a symbolic act. It's sending a message. It's mm. not actually improving anything to me. Mm. Well, the, there was the sarin gas attacks last year. Oh, was it last year or twenty sixteen? In the last, in the last at least year and a half, year year and a half, uh, Assad attacked his people with sarin gas, and um, Trump, uh, America attacked. I believe it was Trump. It would have been last year. Then it would have been twenty seventeen. Um, Trump attacked Syria and um, blew up. I think twenty percent of their air force. So. I, when they say that these attacks were targeted at facilities, they weren't, you know, uh, it's like, like I can sort of, be, I can, I can, half of me believes it. And there's another half I want to touch on a little bit later about, I guess the, like I always say, there's two sides to every discussion. There is another side of this argument that I will, I will touch on a, bit, a little bit later. But um, I, yeah, I, I, do you, question I want to pose to you. Do you think it's slightly, do you, well, do you think it's not slightly, but do you think it's hypocritical of the U.S. to be making to be involved in this conflict to to you know on face value to be doing it for the innocent civilians of Syria and being you know launching these attacks on these to protect the the Syrian civilians and innocents, but yet still refuse to take any Syrian refugees into the country. Do you think it's slightly hypocritical for them to do that? When you word it like that, definitely. However, it's such a complicated issue that mm. I don't want to pretend like I'm some kind of authority on this or that mm. I understand it completely because I no. don't. There's so much to take in and understand. Uh, even people who have a lot to do with it still can't mm. explain it in a way that people can process. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that there's a easy identifiable solution, but as I, as I mentioned before, it does seem yeah hypocritical or ineffective that the solution to what's going on there is to drop bombs like Mm. because regardless of uh whether that goal is to uh take out their weapons to take out their chemical facilities there are always innocent people hurt and that's war and that's you know collateral damage in their mind that it's a Mm. necessary evil or whatever however you want to look at it it's a necessary act uh, but if you're doing that, you have to be doing everything you can in like in the other areas as well, which mm. is taking people in, is providing funding mm. where you can... Like how much does it cost to drop bombs? I don't know. I'm guessing it's... Tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, it's... it's, cra- it's I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not an accountant or a budget... <laughs> Um, or, or a military, military or a budget military strategist. Yeah. Strat- strategist, no. I um yeah. I Google. I use Wikipedia a lot when I'm writing my books to <laughs> to pretend like I know about like guns and and helicopters and stuff. <laughs> but I would say like yeah, that's a lot of money. Let's maybe spend that on aid and support for countries that have taken the brunt of these refugees Mm. like i know like my friend jesse who who you've um you've interacted with before he's just spent some time in jordan and the amount of pressure that a lot of those middle eastern countries are under because of refugees is insane like the populations have doubled in a lot of places just because uh people are streaming in there because they have no other option really Mm. uh, other than face all these atrocities Ah, 
atrocities that mm. we've been talking about. So, you know, I feel like there's so much that could be done and maybe if someone was an expert, they could come and tell me, well, here's why that doesn't work. But, you know, mm. on, on face value, I feel like that should be a focus and, you know, people will always say, well, what about the people in our own country that need help? Well, we're all citizens of planet earth at, yeah. at one stage at one perspective so i think you need to consider the people in in the greatest need and you know if if we weren't fortunate enough to live where we do i would hope that there would be someone uh that's able to look out for us you know yeah yeah oh yeah I, yeah no I, I i can i can definitely um agree with with a lot of your your points there which um, ones don't you agree with Oh, I'm still, I still, I still feel like these, these, if the information that we have is correct, Mm -hmm. that the strikes that the US made were completely justified. There's a part, there's a part of me, there's a part, and I'm, like I said, I'm torn on this, but there is a, there is a, there is a decent chunk of me that goes, if the information that we have is correct in that this was a, 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 um, chemical weapons attack on innocent civilians, and that the retaliation was, in fact, military, you know, um, strategic military strikes on military facilities, research facilities, and chemical weapons storage facilities. Then I am um, for that. And then, and if they are, and if on their word they're saying that this isn't about toppling a regime, because that's another part of this that I want to touch on as well. Um, then, then I, I can. I can see that, that that as being a... Or they almost didn't have a choice. Like, the US almost yeah. didn't have a choice. Do you know what I mean? Like, they couldn't... If this is... if Like I said, if this is all true, that what's happened over there, then they couldn't not act because then what happens, he does it again and he does it again and does it again. Like, you can't mm. let someone like that continue to do that. But he's done it before. And, then and you know, the US attacked him before and he's done it again. So, like, you have to do something. He's shown that he, this is a man who, you know, isn't easily dissuaded sure so i'm going to ask a hard question does that mean that if if you are saying yes it's justified does that mean that the um collateral damage is also justified because that's a a known side effect of of this kind of action yeah yeah so i haven't i haven't read it and obviously this is quite fresh this has only just happened in the last we are recording this sunday night this happened saturday morning um as far as i know and as far as i have read there has not been much, if any, collateral damage um, from these particular sure. strikes. Um, there was uh, so the next point I want to mo- so so no, I, I don't think that any innocent life being lost to war is is justified. But necessary evils, like you said, like it is a it is a horrible thing. But you know, if it they had to do something, like you have to do something, like it's a sure. terrible thing. So next- I have a, qu- a question. Yes, when you say like Assad is is you know he's the problem he's well he's not no yeah but yeah go on sorry well whatever you're saying about him like he's a terrible terrible yeah so i'm just like let's let's just play a little little uh hypothetical here so good i like hypotheticals (laughs) uh you know instead of dropping bombs on factories and Mm. you know whatever they're deciding to do can't they send in like a SEAL team and do what they did with bin laden because i'm assuming that bin laden was hidden better than uh this world leader who yeah. uh, is probably in some kind of White House equivalent. Yeah. yeah. 
So um, it's a very good question. I'm glad you asked it because I did have this as a talking point. Um, if we look at history as, and there's a, there's a very good reason why this hasn't happened yet. Um, and again, this is multifaceted like many things. The US don't necessarily want Assad out and neither does the world. Because if we look at history as a, as a um, let's just have a look at history and what happens in these sorts of regions and, and specifically in the Middle East when dictators are toppled by, you know, foreign governments, foreign militaries, the US, etc., NATO coming in and ousting dictators, it, it almost never has a positive impact. Let's have a look at um, Libya, for instance. Um, we had um, Gaddafi, who was mm-hmm. in there, who's a, a tyrant, who's a monster. Um, you know, the, he, you know, with the assistance of the US and other militaries, he's um, ousted from power and killed. Um, Libya now in 2018 is in a much and and Gaddafi was a monster let's not like let's not um like there's no ifs or buts about it. he was a terrible human being um Libya now is in a much much worse off place than they were when he was in power they've like the slave they they, they have a, an active slave trade has returned to this country there's like the violence hmm. there's a there's a lot of horrible stuff going on even if, even if look like at Iraq um you know Saddam, who was, you know, another tyrant, another monster, um, ousted. And the, 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 the disarray that that country's in now is just terrible. The, the secular violence and things that go on there. And, you know, while these men are terrible tyrants and terrible dictators, almost never when they are ousted is the pers- the people that become in power or go in or the the, the ramifications of that and never ever ha- and haven't been ever positive yeah. so you go you look at you look at let's look at Syria now as a whole and we go okay what's happening in Syria you've got proxy wars you've got Iran you've got Israel um, you've got Hezbollah you've got Russia involved you've got ISIS is is also gaining power you've got Al Qaeda as well you've got all of these like Syria is basically a like a a, 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 it's just Hornet's like a, nest. a yeah it's it's, it's a war <laughs> like it's a war zone like that's this country is just a, a battleground for so many different conflicts and you have a look at it and you go okay Assad's in right now and yes he's a terrible dictator and he's a terrible tyrant but the rebels that he's fighting against aren't necessarily any better so you've got the I forget what they're called the, the, the Syrian freedom fighters or the freedom army or something like that who are fighting to to topple the Assad regime who is he's actively fighting against and the other rebel um outfits you've obviously got al-qaeda are also involved in this trying to topple Assad and you've got ISIS as well trying to gain you know gain back territory they gained a lot of territory and have been um pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and they get their numbers are getting smaller and smaller which is great but what happens when the focus goes off ISIS and then we focus on toppling Assad. And then you go, all of a sudden, ISIS gets back territory and Assad's out and Al-Qaeda comes in. And it's just... So the US doesn't necessarily want Assad out because it's not in their best interest. Um, as much as Russia are saying that that's what they want, that, that that's what... that. So Russia... This is the other... This is the next point we'll move on to, is that 
Russia are claiming that the chemical weapons attack never happened. This has been staged by the UK and the US, this Russia-phobic thing that they've got going on that everyone's trying to blame everything on Russia, that tr- everything everyone's doing around the, the world is to hurt Russia and all of this. Um, which, this is, this, and this is the part that, that tears me more than like the, so it's not, the, the, more than anything. And you've almost got to take a step back from this whole discussion and look at it and go, okay, the US are about to pull out of Syria, right? They've had enough. We're not winning this war. We're not getting anywhere. We're just losing resources. We're losing people. We don't want to be in this war. We're pulling out. The US are out. They've already made the decision. They're about to pull out. Assad is winning his war. He's beating the rebels. He's beating ISIS. He's gaining territory. He's, he's winning. The US are pulling out. Things are good for him. Why would he use chemical weapons now to draw the US back in? It is odd. Do you know what I mean? I don't know Why? enough about it to give you an answer, but I'm interested what you think. No, I, I, this, and this is why I'm torn. I'm like, I'm okay, okay. Why? Yeah, that's a fucking brilliant question. Why would he do that? He's winning. All he's done now is aggravate the US. He's drawn them back into the conflict. He's pissed off Russia because Russia don't want the US involved in Syria. They want Russia want to be, you know, that just piss. If Assad does that, it pisses off Russia because Russia want Assad in because he's their ally. And by doing that, it brings in the U, brings the US back in. Russia goes, we don't want the US involved here, so it pisses them off. So why would he do that? It just doesn't make sense why he would do this to bring the US back in. Hmm. So. This is the other thing, and get your tinfoil hats out. There's a big discussion around this, saying that the US have, you know, I'm not saying this is the only reason, but that Trump has, you know, ordered these attacks because it's at the, initially he he erred, he didn't attack straight away. Um, he sort of, you know, sat back and he tweeted that yes, it may. He, the, the tweet was like. They're going to come, or they might, or they might not. Kind of, do you remember that? A few days yeah. ago. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then he did. And there's a lot of discussion around the fact that he might have just done this to, um, without, without congressional approval as well, he's made these, he's, mm. he's launched these attacks. Um, he might have done this as a way to take the attention off uh, more domestic issues, um, more personal domestic issues that are happening at the moment, which he certainly achieved by, um, by doing this. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's all messed up. I, I, I just don't understand. Like, and some of it is a lack of, of research and probably a lack of, pro like ability to process how mm. this web works, this web of violence and chaos. But like, if if America's involved, isn't the like going back to what I said before? Isn't the end game them eventually taking out Assad? Like, where does it end? And what is like what is, uh, bombing them achieve? Is it that he's meant to turn around and go, I'll be a good boy now. I won't. I won't do that again. I'm sorry. I, I've learnt my lesson. You you yeah. taught me when you dropped that bomb on me. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I think that's the that is the aim. Like I, that's the thing. I don't think the US want as bad as Assad is. The alternative is much worse, and that's where the, the that's where the Middle East is such a volatile place politically because. The, wor- the the horrible, terrible person you couldn't even imagine, like imagine that in a Western world in power, him 
the the alternative to him is so much worse. Um, so it is a, it's, it's a yeah, it's a terrifying issue, and it, and it will continue to develop. And I have no doubt we'll speak about it more so next week. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's I mean the whole Russia thing. There's so much going on there. There's tensions. This it feel like if it feels tense, like if just the, the you know what I mean? Mm. Like shit is tense. Got Trump going to catching up with Kim Jong-un soon. How's that going to go? It's just, oh, yeah. people are going to need a degree in international relations to get on to it is what it is. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Uh, John, let's, uh, let's move on to something a little bit. Uh, let's change the tone up. What do you think? Sounds good. What is the problem with Apu? That is the question on the lips of many a pundit at the moment. The issue at hand stems from Apu Nahasapima Padalon, the formerly much-loved Quickie Mart manager from The Simpsons, whom comedian Hari Kondabalu asserted his recent asserted in his recent documentary, The Problem with Apu, is a dangerous racist stereotype. The documentary is a commentary on the representation of marginalized groups in entertainment. The Simpsons weren't attacked in the documentary. In fact, Hari actually says he loved The Simpsons. He just felt that this was the one thing that hurt him. And since the documentary, his commentary has sparked a fierce debate on the stereotypical Indian character, voiced by Hank Azaria, who was in fact a white man. With many asking, how can The Simpsons in 2018 deal with something that was once not considered by the majority as anything offensive, but now clearly is? Well, The Simpsons have since responded to the discussion in a way that many found disappointing. In a recent episode titled No Good Read Goes Unpunished, at the end of the episode, the writers used the normally progressive character of Lisa Simpson to say the following. In the scene, Lisa turns to the camera while having a conversation with Marge and says, Something that started decades ago and was applauded and inoffensive is now politically incorrect. What can you do? As she says that last line, she looks at a nearby picture of a poo featuring Bart's catchphrase, don't have a cow. Some things will be dealt with at a later stage, says Marge, if at all, adds Lisa. Many have criticised the show for its dismissive response to the issue, and many are saying that we're all just too sensitive. Now, Greg Alexander writes in to It Is What It Is, and he says, In regards to a poo, the Simpsons creators got flack for brushing off the issue. What were they meant to do, though? They don't believe that how if they don't believe that how they've portrayed Apu is racist, why should they apologize? It would just end up being apologizing for the sake of it rather than actual heartfelt apology. Um, this was this is a and I say this all the time about, you know, issues around race and and these types of different things, is that the first issue that we have, as in you and I right here now, is that we are white men discussing something that we really have no it, really i mean really i've got some anecdotal things i can talk about but like we we've never personally really experienced what these guys are going through uh or what you know someone like Hari is going through and why he's made a a documentary like this and um in regards to greg's question um you know why should they apologize they they maybe they so i don't think they need to apologize but there's clearly an issue and people clearly have an issue with this character who's a you know as a racist stereotype, you know, it's a white man in the development of this character. They spoke about, um, you know, Hank Azaria was, <laughs> was sort of told that, you know, he's like, how do you want me to do this? They're like, just do the most full on Indian accent you can do kind of thing. Like, yeah. Um, 
So I don't think that they need to apologize for it. I think they need to react to it. And I think the way they reacted to it was quite disappointing. Just the way that they completely dismissed the the whole conversation as, oh, it's just politically correct. It's just PC. It's just PC culture. The whole approach of responding through the show mm. is strange to me. Yeah. Like, I would have expected, like, here's a statement from the head writer or here's a statement from the current producer of The Simpsons. Mm. Not like, almost like a, like, like we're like taking a stand. They've kind of, of spit the dummy and being like, mm. you know, at- attacking back by doing the episode this way. And mm. it's, it's, a, it's breaking the fourth wall completely, which is fine mm. in, in comedy, like to do that. But yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it seems it's just, just done that it, before. It's not the first time they've done it. That's right. It, like, but this just seems so strange. Like, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it strikes me as strange. It's a very, I keep saying this word strange because that's really what it is. It's <laughs> it's an issue that has come up now and maybe it's been there all along in some circles, but this documentary has brought it to light and yep. this has forced them to acknowledge it and deal with it. Maybe that's yep. what's happened. But yep. yeah, I'm much like you in Syria. I'm, I'm torn on this one because mm. uh, I think comedy relies on stereotypes of many kinds and Mm -hmm. even uh subverting those stereotypes is you know a great thing to do and uh, a lot of um you know a lot of uh comedians with different uh, or mixed racial backgrounds will base their entire routine around you know their the stereotypes that they face um and some of them that are true and some of them that aren't true Mm. so yeah i i mean there's been a lot of arguments about is the groundskeeper willy portrayal Mm. of scottish people offensive do we need to change that uh you know you're italian and there's an italian chef on there that talks like mario the mexican bumblebee and yeah and it's like well just on that ryan betson writes into it is what it is and says with many characters in the simpsons portraying stereotypes why is apu such an issue specifically Hmm. um i think the issue with a poo and like I said, there are many stories and the Simpsons has been is 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 a show where its characters are they are like if you think they're all stereotypes, you know. Bart is a stereotypical rebel boy. Lisa yeah. is a stereotypical loudmouth progressive girl. Marge is a stereotypical housewife. Homer is a stereotypical dumb, you know, man. The annoying neighbor. The principal. The lunch lady. The clown. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a show based on stereotypes. I think that. The, comic book the, guy. Yeah, comic book guy, like, <laughs> the scientists, I can go on, right? Like, yeah. the Snake, P- Chief Wiggum, they're all they're all stereotypes, right? That's what the yeah. Simpsons, that's what made the Simpsons special. The argument that, um, that the Simpsons made in that, oh, you know, people used to just think this was fine and now all of a sudden it's, you know, oh, it's PC, it's just PC mm. culture and this kind of thing. It's like, why is it something that... It's like, well... This is something that has affected people in a negative way. Yeah. And whether or not the intention was for that to be the case, it is something that has happened. So, I'm sure that... And I've no doubt that nobody that... The, the people that created Up Who went, we're going to do this and we want to we want to really hurt these indie... Like, we want this to... We're going to rub it in their faces, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, here's a funny stereotype and this, that and the other. It's like... And that whole... 
discussion around it. So oh, it's been fine for years. Why are people only get upset now? It's like, well, things that you, people used to say back in the nineties, seventies, eighties, even like the early two thousands, like you, you wouldn't say that kind of stuff now. Hmm. I know, you know, we've, I've, I've openly spoken about, you know, the, the whole, the gay thing. It's like when you're in high school, everything's gay. And, you know, oh, that's gay. This is gay. That's gay. You know? Yeah. But you just don't say that anymore. Like, you just can't. And this is, I think, a similar thing in that I don't think that Apu being offensive has only just been offensive to people. Yeah. So, like, this, I think it was... Um, uh, what's his name? From Harold and Kumar. Um, Cal Penn. Cal Penn, I think he says in the documentary, it's either him or Harry say in the documentary, it's like, you know, I used to get called like a poo in school. Like people used to say, my parents work at the Quickie Mart. Like th- these are things that, you know, would happen like to, to these guys. These This is not something new to them. This is something that carry- they've carried since a poo was very first a thing. And now it's like, well, now we're at a point in society. It's like, well, we can talk about this stuff. Let's have a conversation about why this thing that no one even blinked an eye at hmm. 20 years ago hey, actually affected people negatively. Let's have a discussion yeah. about that. Let's have a discussion about why that upsets us. And um, I think that's completely fine to do that. You know, I I can sort of, like I said, we're two white, well, I'm browner than you, yeah. but we're two white guys who, <laughs> you know, hard. we're talking about it like a racial issue. But I, you know, I, I have dark skin. Like I have, I'm, I'm brown. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm Italian. I have Italian heritage. I have brown oh. Am I allowed to call skin. you a wog? Is that offensive? No, nah, I don't take offense to it, no. Is um, it? Yeah, I won't say it again. <laughs> that's all right, I don't care. <laughs> um, it's like we can use, I can use that term. I don't know whether you can, white boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> am I allowed to use the term don't, white boy? Don't call me white. Yeah. <laughs> um, offensive. <laughs> but like, I had brown skin in school, right? So people mm. would like often call me like an Arab. Like, I'm not black, right? But people will be like, you're an Arab, you're a terrorist, you know, mm. you're Aboriginal, um, you're Indian, like, you know, as as a offensive, like to say that as an offensive thing. And I'm I'm white, but I have tanned skin because I have Italian heritage. And people would call me an Arab or a terrorist or whatever, you know, this is a way to sort of cut yeah, me down. Up. I could only imagine what it would be like for some of these kids for Cal Penn and these guys growing up in high school being Indian people like of Indian descent Southeast Asia or whatever and being like yeah like you know Apu being a quite a prominent you know figure in pop culture and the most prominent Indian character in anything really yeah exactly yeah absolutely and it's a and had that having quite a negative impact on him it's like these guys like Harry he speaks about how he's like oh look I love the Simpsons this was just something that really affected me and Cal Penn's just like no fuck the Simpsons I hate them yeah. <laughs> um, it, it actually makes me think like you're talking about us being like two two Aussie guys but the episode of the Simpsons where you know Bart versus Australia mm. if if there was an Australian like the way they depict Australians in that show is quite laughable and I guess we can have a good sense of humor about it but if one of those ridiculous characters was on like every episode of The Simpsons and you were the only Australian in your high school Mm. growing up Mm -hmm. in another country and they were making those jokes about you and talking with the terrible Australian accent maybe it would ruin your life like as a kid like maybe maybe you would hate that show and i can kind of relate to it from that perspective Mm, mm, absolutely 
Absolutely. And, and that's and that, that's one of the other issues that they brought up is that it's sort of Apu kind of stole their identity. Like they were never allowed to create their own identity or create their own, their own perception to the people around them of what Indian people were and what Indian culture was because that was taken away from them by the service station attendant, you yeah. know, the fully full-on Indian accent, you know, thank you, come again, like that that whole thing that Apu does. Like that was take their identities were stolen away from them by this character and that's the way that they made the feel. And some people might say that that's an extreme thing to say. It's mm. over the top, but that's how they felt about it. And that's real to them. That was their reality. Yeah. So the question I have for you is what is the solution here? Like do they kill off Apu? Do they mm. make him... Do they tone him down? Do they mm-hmm. give him some depth? Do they get an Indian actor to portray him? I don't know. Like, what what would you think is the appropriate response that's still true to what The Simpsons is about? I think, yeah, I think, well, I think The Simpsons should have probably finished maybe yep. a decade ago, <laughs> so there's that. Um, but in saying that, I think killing Apu is, is a cop-out. I think that's just running away from the issue. Yeah, I think that's not addressing definitely. it. That's just going, oh, too hard basket. We're just killing them. Kind of like um, throwing the toys out of the cot. It's like, oh, no, you know what? Stuff it. You guys can't have him anymore. We're taking him away. Um, I think that... it's And it's a hard one. Like, I don't I don't really know what the, the answer is. I, I would like for them to address it in a way that's probably a little bit more mature than what they have currently, rather, like which was completely dismissing it. Mm. Whether or not they did that as an up yours to the to the people you know bringing up this conversation or whether they they thought it was going to be funny um it clearly wasn't and um a lot of people were clearly disappointed in the way that they handle it i think rightfully so um i don't think they need to apologize because i don't think that there was any ill intent for i don't think they had to come in and go we're really sorry it's not like optus needs to come out and apologize for asking (laughs) for anglo like they need like optus needs to apologize for that right yeah but I don't think they need to apologize for this. I think it's a different sort of situation. But I think they need to handle it in a way that's respectful, one, to the character, because um, it is a formerly much-loved character that was for many years, and that's respectful to Indian people. And perhaps they they make, they make maybe give him an arc that is, you know what, I'm, you know, someone comes in and, is like, and says something to him that's maybe racist or whatever, or, you know, oh, you're just an Indian, oh, another Indian, blah, 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 whatever doing a working in a service station and he says no you know what i'm not doing this anymore i'm not going to be your and he goes and he does something different and he just goes and bees an indian guy and he's an indian character and he's still an indian character who lives in springfield but he's he fights the stereotypes or something like that. i don't know like i don't know i'm not a show writer but i i think there can be a, a tasteful entertaining funny way to handle it and i think that the way they did was really um tone deaf yeah i did read a, a good idea that someone put up on twitter like they posted a thread for what sure. they would do and it was quite interesting you can mm-hmm. go and search for that i'm sure you'll be able to find it but before we maybe if you're heading towards wrapping up i do want to read a comment that i got from one of my friends my i guess my token indian friend we, we've mentioned Ooh. that we're two white guys i wanted to get someone else's perspective on this so this is from my friend rahil bangara who's from bangalore met him at uni he was uh, a student over here like an international student and this is what he said when i posed the same questions that you've been putting to me basically he said i think apu is hilarious personally i don't have any issues with the way he's portrayed then again i'm not exactly a conservative indian i feel that maybe more conservative indians may take offense not so much to the way apu is portrayed but by how his religion is occasionally portrayed 
To be honest, I don't think the show should change or do anything. It's been the same for 20-odd years and people are suddenly taking offense. If they're going to cop flack for Apu, they should also cop it for Groundskeeper Willie and the Hillbillies. Political correctness is getting over the top. It's just a cartoon in my mind. People need to harden up and be able to take a joke without being offended. And of course, that's one person. He doesn't Mm -hmm. represent India as a nation. The one billion you know, yeah. Indians out there. <laughs> yep. uh, but, you know, it just shows that I guess everyone's experience is different and mm-hmm. some people don't understand what this is all about. Yeah, yeah, and I completely respect his opinion and, and I applaud his, um, I guess, his thick skinness, I guess, to not take offense to it. That's, you know, mm. that, that takes a lot of bravery to, to be able to just cop something and be like, oh, it doesn't bother me. Like, why are people getting upset about it now, for instance? It's been going on for 20 years. But that, that I found that to be the interesting comment out of that was that, you know, I don't think... I don't think now people are only taking offense to it. I think now people are being brave enough to speak up against it. Sure. I think that's probably where it's coming from. But uh, but I appreciate, I very much appreciate the um, you know the opinion and everyone's everyone's opinion is valid um, on it is what it is. Unless you are a Nazi, <laughs> in which case your opinions are not valid. Uh, Jono, we have a couple more listener questions from the audience. At Pez un- underscore bro asks, the stores that sell the softest pillows. Is that the question? That is the question. So I guess he wants to know the stores that sell. We put we put out the uh, we put the call out to uh, to the great listeners of it is what it is, is to see what uh, what the, what questions that they want Jono and I to answer. And Pez bro asks, this, he asks for the stores that sell the softest pillows. Now, Jono. I, in fact, am not qualified to uh, uh, answer this question because I actually use a firm pillow. I do not use soft pillows. I find they hurt my neck <laughs> and my head sinks into them. So I, uh, uh, I sleep with two pillows. One of them is very, one. very firm mm. and thick and the other is oh, softer. I love a, uh, a firm, thick pillow. Yeah, but I've never <laughs> actually gone pillow shopping, to be honest. So mm. I've never been able to compare different shops. But hey, I'm just going to give a shout out to Spotlight. How about that? Hey, shout out to Spotlight. Hey, I'm sure that's pillows. Yay, Spotlight. I, uh, I use a Denton's pillow. It's like an orthopedic like, oh, really? physio yeah, pillow. I actually use two pillows as well because I, I don't like my neck to like, tilt. In. Anyway, it's not, it's not important. Thank you for the question, Pez Bro. Another question sent in by at the Spawny 13 And at the Spawny 13 says, Who put the bump in the bump, bar bump, bar bump? Go Who ahead. put the bump in the bump, bar bump, bar bump? Asks the Spawny third. Is this team. like some hip hop song from the early nineties that Benny mm. grew up with? Mm. Mm. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> uh, again, not not sure I'm qualified to answer this question, but uh, I, uh, I I I think that uh, that's something that maybe John Scatman could answer. Perhaps. Uh, Perhaps this is the question that could be better directed to him. Um, however, I do appreciate it. We answer all the, the hard-hitting, pressing questions here on It Is What It Is, and we appreciate our listeners sending through mm. their questions. Do make sure you send them through. Uh, you can you tweet them. You didn't read my question, Jack. Oh, the best burger. Well, <laughs> what is best burger? <laughs> what is best burger? Big Mac. There you go. <laughs> Jono, it's yeah. time for our iTunes review of the week. And uh, the review this week comes from Brend Evans. And the title is Love It. And it reads, Jack does a great job with all the crew. Love their takes on all the biggest stories. Uh, Short, sharp, 
I like it. Thank you, Brent Evans. Thanks for the review. Uh, it's very much appreciated. Five stars. Five stars. Always. Oh, we have a we have a uh, we have a clean, clean sweep here on it is what it is. Five stars. Um, and we appreciate all the reviews. Everyone keep keep them coming in. It's it is. Uh, it does, like I say, it helps us be discoverable. It helps people see us. It gives people an idea of, I guess, what the show's going to be like, whether people like it. Um, if you've got mm. negative, obviously, feedback, we'll accept that too. If you want to drop a one star on there, I'm not going to be thrilled with it, but I'll accept it and I'll read your review out because it's it's good to know. Like, how can we improve? What do you want to see from us? What what guests do you want? What topics do you want us to cover? By all means, we, we, want, we want to know. We want to know. Uh, so... Ladies, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of It Is What It Is. This has been a product of 8-Bit, and you can find all of our content over at 8-Bit.net. And you can follow us on Twitter. Jono is at Jono himself. I am at Cruzy underscore mate. And 8-Bit is at We Are 8-Bit on all the socials. Make sure you tune in today to the 100th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. 8-Bit's flagship podcast and the number one video games podcast in Australia. Now, Jono and I make a short cameo on the show. So make sure you listen into that. It's a massive milestone. It's it's an amazing thing that that, uh, the crew has been able to, to do. To do. To achieve, yep. Yes. So um, make sure... <laughs> and a, a privilege to be part of that too. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Do you want to give a shout out to what we're doing this weekend as well? Yes, we will be at Supernova Expo in Melbourne. That was going to lead me into my next question, John. I was going to ask Ooh. you if you've got anything going on, going on at the moment that you wanted to pimp, but I can I can certainly pimp Supernova Expo yeah. in Melbourne. <laughs> if you want to be checking out some cosplays and some, some Michael Rosenbaums and John Jarrett's and, and the whatnots, make sure you, you keep an eye out for the 8-bit crew. John himself... Dash Gamer and Cruzy Mate will be there uh, hanging out, doing some sweet content. So make sure you come over, say mm. hello, give us a tap on the shoulder, smack us on the backside. But all, <laughs> all, all physical contact will be uh, appreciated. Trono, have you got anything you want to pimp at the moment? Any podcasts you've been on? Uh, yeah, so as you mentioned, Hungry Gamers. Monday's a big day for me, actually. I've got this dropping. I've got uh, the Hungry Gamers and the Pop Culturists, our friends in Geelong. Mm. Uh, put out for the players, which is PlayStation podcast and yeah. and YouTube. Ryan Betson was on last week. Yeah, Ryan from last week. Uh, but that yeah, that goes on their YouTube channel. So check that out to hear our takes on the latest news in PlayStation and uh, also a little bit of a deep dive into reviews in general, like review mm. scores, uh, how useful they are, how we like them, how we don't like them. Mm. Very good. Oh, and of course, putting in work this week, featuring Eight Bit's own Drew Agnew. So House gonna, of Mario's Drew Agnew. Yeah, so you're going to hear a bit about that farm life that Drew's got and uh, how that how that melds or fuses with his love for creating podcasts and, and video games. Kind of an odd combination. You don't get too many farmers into mm. that kind of thing. So made for cool. an interesting conversation. That's cool. Yeah, That's really cool that you got Drew on. That's great. You've had heaps of people on in the 8-bit. Yeah, you're, you're on the list, there. Jack. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, I bet I am. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, I've already been on the show. I don't need to go on again. I haven't actually had heaps of eight bit people. We had Brendan and, and Drew. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You're a liar. No, don't worry about it. Get everyone else on. Get all your other friends on. Don't worry about me. To be over here, I'm doing my own podcast. Don't worry about it. All right. Me and Nato are going to do appearance. our own podcast. You don't want to talk to me and Nato on putting in work. We're going to go start our own podcast. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Get in line. Hey. Get in line. 
Get in line. <laughs> uh, but uh, guys, just touching on that, um, if you've enjoyed this show, if you enjoy all the other shows, like I said, make sure you go over, um, drop a review on iTunes, subscribe um, to Put In Work, to House of Mario, to The Hungry Gamers, and to It Is What It Is. Remember, it helps us be discoverable. It helps get the uh, get the word out about mm. us if you've enjoyed the show. Um, and if you haven't, even then, uh, next week... I will be joined by Rational Passions, Logan Wilkinson, all the way from Nixon, Missouri. I'm very excited to catch up with my old friend Logan and have a chat about all things. Um, I guess we can talk. We can really talk about all things Marika when he's on. I'll be yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. So that'll be my, great. That is one not to miss, people. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you've got any questions for myself or Logan, um, you can tweet them at us, which I said earlier. Or you can email us at hello at 8bit.net. Um, we're looking forward to all our questions. Remember, if you've got any conspiracy theories you want me to read out on the show, make sure you send them to that email, hello at 8bit.net. Jono? Yeah. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. It's Is always this an your longest pleasure. episode? This will be absolutely the longest episode. It's a episode very long episode. Thank you for sticking with minutes. us, listeners. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, very much appreciated. But I think one one well worth a listen. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's always a pleasure and uh, a joy to spend some time with you. And, uh, absolutely. Just be impressed with your with your uh, abilities to to spout off some, some knowledge about the Middle East. It's something that I wish I knew more about, but it's, it's, it's too hard. It's, it's, it's like getting it's, into, it's like getting into comic books. Like where do you start? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it is, um, it is a very deep issue and it is, I find it, um, uh, infinitely fascinating to read about the, all the, the, the it's as sad as they, a lot of them are, the conflicts and things like that. So, um, uh, no, but I appreciate the kind words. Appreciate the kind words. Well, until next time, friends. It is what it is.